Welcome to your favorite NFL podcast, A House Divided, the show that brings you all the latest Cowboys and Eagles news and discusses all things NFL. Now, here are your hosts, NFL analysts and self-proclaimed football gurus, Mike, Brock, and Keith. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of A House Divided. Mike and Keith and Brock are here to go over the playoffs scenarios that we were all terribly wrong on last week. I was the worst, apparently, mostly because I picked my Eagles, but that's another story. Uh, We're all back to talk about what we thought about the playoffs, the divisional round this week, and talk about what we see coming up. And some of the topics that have been brought up in the last couple of days. So it's a pretty exciting episode. A couple of things we want to go over. Keith and Brock, how are you guys doing? Oh man, I'm I'm doing great. And I like the the high standards that you hold for uh, a good performance on betting. Because I only lost one game, but um, I, I was pretty happy with that. But that is pretty terrible to go three that's, and one. That's failure in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Brock? Uh, I'm doing great as well. I just, you know, I, when Wentz got hurt because he's so injury prone just from a really oh bad clubbing to the back of the head. No, I kid about the injury prone. But it was nice not seeing Nick Foles come in and be the best quarterback in franchise history and lead them to their second Super Bowl. Instead, they had uh, one of the McCown brothers. No one can keep them apart from one another and really know which is which. So I was happy to see that. The Eagles are out the train wreck that the NFC East was as a division this year is finally over. We can dust our hands of it, kind of wrap it up in this podcast, and start looking forward to some actual good teams playing football on Sunday. So, And Saturday, for that matter. I'm looking forward to it. I feel Indeed. slightly attacked. Uh, that's just kind of your normal state on this podcast. If you don't feel that way, <laughs> we're not doing our job. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, let's I need to find Mike. somebody else to work with in here. I need an assistant. <laughs> Um, no, it's not any fun. Uh, if we don't have the advantage in this devil's three way, then what's the point? <laughs> so much for fairness. <laughs> well, it's time to have the Eagles funeral here on the pod since they're finally done. And I'm sure you have a few thoughts on last week's game as well, Mike, specifically. But let's just jump right into it for the season. Just put a bow on it. You know, what do you think of this Eagles season? What were the bright spots for the season and this week? And what spots do you think they need to improve a lot going into next year? So I think the biggest bright spot is obviously Doug Peterson. What he managed to pull together from the ragtag roster of misfits that he stitched together and threw out there and still managed to get into the playoffs is pretty amazing in itself. It's too bad they fired him at halftime of that Giants game, huh? Oh, wait, that was just you that wanted to fire him. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm never going to live that down. Not so, if I can help it. What I was saying was, is that uh, I think Doug's done a great job this season bringing the team back together, and I, he's the obvious bright spot. I think one of the things that I've kind of brought up on Twitter a couple of times in the last couple of days after uh, Carson took that shot and had the concussion, uh, a couple of things I want to make note of, because people don't seem to understand this, is the concussion isn't something that the player decides to take themselves out on. It's one of the only injuries that they're basically forced out by a neurologist that sits on the sidelines. So that injury-prone thing, I know Brock's just messing around, but there are a lot of people that are 
buying into that lately. It's been kind of annoying. I've been trying to not get into too many fights, but you know, it just sucks. He's had a bad stroke of luck. But I think one of the bright spots for Carson is in doing what they did this season and going into playoffs and winning the division with, like I said, the ragtag bunch of people that they had to slap together. I think that is going to bode well for what a lot of people were questioning, which was his ability to lead the unit. I think the injuries to the receiving core were both a blessing and a curse. I never want to see anybody get hurt. That's definitely not something I'd hope for. But looking at what the team did without Alshon, without Deshaun Jackson, and without Nelly, it made a it made a difference. And I think uh, for sure, Alshon and Nelly are probably two of the voices that don't need to be heard in that locker room anymore. And I think the team is finally completely Carson Wentz's team moving forward. And I think the young guys respect him and they want to play for him. And I think that's going to make a big difference in the future. Well, do you think that outside of, you know, rookie draft picks can kind of go either way if they do decide to start putting some talents, talent around Wentz to fill in for Alshon Jeffrey? Do you think that the people who kind of stepped up at the end of this year will be enough to where they can improve next year and take this team to the next level where they can actually win in the playoffs? Or do you think they're going to have to bring in some serious free agent power to fill in those skill positions? So as much as a feel-good story as it would be to have this this group of guys be the starters for next year, they're just not at the skill level needed. I mean, when you look at some of the playoff teams and the receivers that are on those teams, every one of those teams has a standout wide receiver. The Patriots didn't. They lost. They're out. Philadelphia didn't. They lost. They're out. Uh, but when you look at Seattle... They've obviously got DK Metcalf, who is showing up huge, more than Tyler Lockett is this season now. Um, when you look um, at every other team, I mean, it, the list goes on. Uh, Will Fuller um, is hurt, but he's the second receiver, and he's better than anything Philadelphia has you know, on this team right now. I think they really do need to add some talent. Deshaun Jackson, as old as he is, he's still a game-breaker. I think he, he would make a difference on the field, and he probably would have made a difference this season. But I think they need to add one or two more pieces. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Robbie Anderson. I know he's got some off-the-field issues, but he's not as bad as Antonio Brown, that's for sure, in terms of off-the-field issues. And I'd be okay if they signed him, and I want them to draft some young talent. I mean, this year, the draft is loaded at the wide receiver position. And watching Carson Wentz play, I'm sure we can all agree He's the type of quarterback that needs fast receivers. He he doesn't perform well when all of his receivers move at the speed of smell. It just doesn't work out. So he's got to have fast receivers. When you look at Patrick Mahomes and the way he plays, it, it, I, he's complemented by speed and agility on the field around him. And I think that makes a world of difference for him. And I think Carson Wentz needs something similar. And I think if they do that this offseason – you're going to see a completely different offense, which you're going to see that either way. But I think the offense can be loads better if they have some young talent on the outside. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, you, uh, you, I mean, you, you really nailed it with your points, and you see how great they did this year with what they had. And I'm only talking good about them now because their season's over. 
I mean, I feel like this is the only proper time to say it, but as an Eagles fan, not saying I am one, but if you are one, if there's any out there listening, um, you do have to be proud of what they did this year. And and just, you can only know that next year has got to be better, obviously, right? Because they're going to probably draft either some corners or receivers to fill in. And you hope that they they, uh, do good with their picks. Um, But I think it's going to be interesting for for both sides. Um, I think it is going to be a struggle to add both, though, because both starting corners, which, I mean, they're both pretty bad, but Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills are both set to hit free agency. I don't see them bringing them back. They've got, I mean, their backups aren't going to cut it. We're going to need somebody else, a a true lockdown corner that Philly hasn't had in the last 10 years. And that's going to be hard to get, even in the draft. But if I had to choose, I'd rather they go wide receiver. That would be my choice. That's your number one? That would be that would be my choice. I'd rather them take two solid wide receivers in this draft and then get a corner in the third round. I know they're going to go uh, either for a defensive end or a linebacker that they need some defensive additions, which it always feels like they need somebody on the defense every season. But uh, I would rather them take two chances on two solid wide receivers in the draft that grade high, not just that have speed, but that are good route runners. The, the biggest problem with Philadelphia is that they don't have anybody that can make that can make separation. And that's a big deal. You need somebody that can separate by running good routes, by being elusive. We don't have anybody like that. And I think I'd rather them take the chance on one or two of those guys in the draft than taking a shot at a corner in the first round or something. I would just rather, I'd rather go all talent on the offense first. That's just my take. Well, what would worry me as an Eagle fan is that the secret ingredient that's kind of been there for them. If you look at, since they've had Carson Wentz has been that they've actually been good at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. And I know they've had some injuries this year and it was kind of up and down, but as a whole, they've been really solid on the offensive line and defensive line, and they've been able to kind of build around that and lose pieces here or there and try to replace them. But if I'm an Eagles fan, you're spending all your time on the outside getting receivers, getting corners. That offensive line, as you've talked about a couple times this year, Peters and Kelsey are getting a little bit older. The defensive line that had so many draft picks and resources thrown into it um, hasn't had quite the same amount in a little bit, so as they start to mend some of the holes on this team, you could see something that's been a strength the last few years start to weaken up. And it's just something to keep in you know, the back of your head because I could really see a scenario where they finally start to sure up the receivers with some draft picks, and a couple years from now, they're good and Wentz is good. But now the line of scrimmage is starting to fall apart on them. At least as a Cowboys fan, I can hope that that's what happens. But, <laughs> but um, I, think, I think the biggest thing is that the, the NFL right now is a gunslinging uh, you know, shot for shot type of, of game. And a lot of teams right now don't really care about defensive line. It, it seems like, and I know San Francisco is really the standout in terms of having a solid defensive line, as well as a great secondary that they can, they can hold teams. But I think the biggest thing is shootouts. I mean, that's what the NFL likes to see is shootouts, high scoring games. And I, you know, personally, I think it's more important to be able to go toe for toe with a, a high-scoring offense than it is to be able to shut down an offense in general, especially when you're spotty like Jim Schwartz is. And another bit of news, Jim Schwartz is getting some head coach steam for the Browns. I don't I don't think they'll take him. But if they do, 
the defense is going to have to change schemes too. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to add here? No, not really. I think uh, we can we can bury this season <laughs> and uh, burn it because it was such a weird season. Uh, and it's going to be a division. Yeah, it was it was just a sad, sad year for the NFC East. But I do want to say that there is one really good thing about um, the end of the Eagles season, and I think that's the Cowboys announcing that they're going to hire Mike McCarthy the day after the loss. It really just shadowed the Eagles' loss, and people stopped talking about it. So you're welcome. <laughs> because people aren't really buying that Mike McCarthy is a good head coach. No, it's just that big of news. <laughs> Jerry Jones had Mike McCarthy over. He wined him. He dined him. They watched <laughs> my entire list of Christmas movies. I heard they had Home Alone 1 and 2 on. They got out they the sleeping bags. And, uh, yeah, Jerry Jones got his bride. So let's just jump into it, guys. Obviously, we were all calling for Jason Garrett's head. Even Mike had to admit that he wasn't a good coach as much as he enjoyed having him on the opposing <laughs> sidelines the last few years. I was saying very strongly that I wanted one of uh, the young guys in the offensive mind, specifically Lincoln Riley. They obviously went in a very different direction. So, Keith, I'll throw it back to you. Outside of the jokes of how Jerry Jones likes to personally make his new head coaches feel comfortable, what did you think about the hire? So, I... I've been looking into this a little bit and I have some mixed feelings. So, um, but one thing I do want to say is that the Cowboys, they've had a practice squad coach for a decade and imagine what they're going to do with an actual starting head coach. So <laughs> Jason Garrett came off the practice squad, just like all the Eagles receivers were and look at how great <laughs> Eagles receivers did. So I'm just making that comparison, but um, so Mike McCarthy with the Packers, was very successful besides his last couple years. Um, so his last two years, he goes seven and nine in 2017. In 2018, he goes six, nine and one. Um, but if you put his whole record with them together, he was a 62%. He had a 62% winning record going 125, 77 and two. Made it to the playoffs nine to 13 times. Six of those nine playoff runs had at least one win. So as a Cowboys fan, that's already exciting to me just because of wins in the playoffs. They come so rarely for us now. Um, obviously, I want more than just a win in a playoff, but um, you you hear rumors and quotes that Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers couldn't get along. And something that I read on was that um, Aaron Rodgers never forgave him for passing him up in the 05 draft, uh, Mike McCarthy was offensive coordinator for the 49ers at the time and apparently had a big say in who were they going to take number one, which they had the first pick in the draft, and they took Alex Smith. And um, Aaron Rodgers, he ended up being the second quarterback to get picked, but it fell all the way down to 24 for Green Bay. So apparently he had some strong feelings about that, and a lot of players say that he's a very bitter toxic has a passive aggressive attitude and uh, and that just didn't sit well with them so it seems like from the get-go Aaron Rodgers was just out to get him wanted to be his own person and do things his way uh, yeah. but 
I'm 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 just interested to hear if if y'all have any takes on that. Yeah, I think that part of it is a little bit overblown. I do think the Packers need to part ways with him, partially because that relationship was toxic. But I totally agree with what you were saying that you can't put that all on, on McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers is kind of notoriously hard to deal with in some respects. He's had lots of ex teammates come out and say this. His he's had his own risks with his family and his brothers and everything like that. So. Um, clearly that's that's more Rodgers than McCarthy because the relationships with lots of the media and his ex-coaches and teammates are quite good. But the part that I don't like about the hire is that he isn't exactly going to do anything that Jason Garrett wasn't doing in the sense of, you know, hey, here's this new scheme. Here's this new way of of approaching offense or defensive football that can change what you are. I was in favor of, like I said, getting Lincoln Riley or someone who can have a new offense imprint, do something similar to what the you know, Ravens did with Lamar Jackson this year, or the Chiefs did, or Sean McVay started doing with the Rams, something innovative that can give you an edge, or getting a, a defensive guy that can really sure up the defense that struggled this year. That was by far the worst part of the Cowboys offense. And then keep Kellen Moore on the offensive staff while the new head coach is the defensive guru. Mike McCarthy doesn't really do either of those things. He's more of an overall manager. And when they first, you know, announced this hire, this is why I was pretty against it. I was just like, oh, this guy was kind of averaging Green Bay. He rode Aaron Rodgers' coattails all the way. But then I started looking at it a little more like Keith did. He did put up some good numbers record-wise. You know, it was well above 500, was able to advance in the playoffs, obviously has the one Super Bowl. But the one thing, and I shared this with, with you guys already, but when I actually figured out that when he was getting hired, they wrote a couple of articles about how he was interviewing, whenever he was interviewing for different head coaching jobs. And apparently in the, the year off, he's really started to embrace analytics in a way that exactly what all head coaches should do and what I wanted the Cowboys' new head coach to do. He was proposing that whatever team hire him have a 14-person football technology department that basically you know goes over the video, converts it to analytics. You have someone studying everything about the opposing team and your team converting it into numbers and suggestions for the next week. So the fact that during this year off, he wasn't thinking like an old school football coach and just, oh, you got to run the ball more and all these cliches. He's actually looking to the future, looking at what's producing success on the field. We know that the numbers worked in baseball. We're 20 years past that. That's what happened with Moneyball. It was obvious then that if you start using math the right way, now everyone does that in baseball. Basketball, the last 10 years, that started happening. People started saying, hey, maybe we should shoot wide open threes more. Free throws are good. And it changed the way that NBA basketball is played. Right now, the NFL is just starting to go through that change. The offenses have started passing more the last 10 years, but there's still so many things that the, the math community is saying, hey, we need to do this. We need to do more play actions. We need to take advantage of the, the clock in this way. We need to run offenses like what Lamar Jackson's doing. I keep using him as an example where we utilize the talent a little bit better. And the fact that Mike McCarthy seems to be willing to do that actually gives me some hope. So I am going to be optimistic for the hire as of right now, even though it's not exactly who I wanted. I think that there is a good chance that if he actually sticks with what he was selling in his interviews, the Cowboys can turn this around. And like he said to start, the most important thing is he's definitely better than the practice squad person in Jason Garrett we had. So hopefully the Cowboys retain most of the talent they had this year. And if they do, I don't see any way that our coaching isn't improved over this. Yeah, and actually, uh, not too long ago, they um, made a statement that they expect to keep Kellen Moore. Um, that was just about maybe an hour ago, uh, our time. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah, so they're expecting to keep him. Um, so hopefully, you know, with keeping him, 
they allow him to you know kind of do the same thing and, and make a lot of plays play calls because another thing that I read upon and you kind of touched up on it was uh, him becoming or not really changing schemes and um, whenever he had great receivers with Green Bay like Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, those players, um, and they were able to be playmakers. You know, the offense was great at that point, but towards the end when they lost them, those receivers, and didn't really have the best receivers at that point, he would still run the same schemes, not to really change anything, and those receivers couldn't get the separation. So Aaron Rodgers would have to change plays on purpose all the time, wouldn't listen to Mike McCarthy's play calling and come up with his own stuff. And something that kind of blew my mind, I don't know if y'all ever heard this one, but uh, the Packers and Cowboys' uh, latest playoff game that they had together where Aaron Rodgers had that amazing um, scramble to the left and threw it to the tight end on the sideline. It's like a 40, 50-yard pass. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, forget, I forget the tight end's name right now. Um, but that was all improvised in the huddle. He wanted his, uh, his line to bait. Um, the defense to come inside so that he could scramble left and and told the tight end to run that way. So um, you can, I just kind of hope that it doesn't come down to that where he gets stale. We have to figure things out on our own. Um, but I mean, like you mentioned earlier with the whole analytics, you hope that he's got a new way of looking forward and and uh, and can take all of his good attributes and mix them in with with some new stuff. Mike, how'd you feel as someone rooting against the hire? Were you happy or sad when you saw the news? Kind of mediocre? What's the feeling from the rival? So I've been asleep this whole time you guys were talking, so thanks for waking me. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, it was one of the the hires where I am mostly indifferent, largely because, like you said, I don't think a whole lot's going to change. It's going to be surrounded by you know, what's around him. Um, It's going to be the talent that's on his roster. They're going to have the same problems. And I think the reason he spent the night at Jerry Jones's house is because Jerry Jones wants somebody that he can control. That's obviously what Mike McCarthy is going to be to me. And I mean, spending the night at his house. I mean, what do you do? Have breakfast in bed with him? I just, it's such a weird thing to me. (laughs) So honestly don't know what to expect. I know everybody thinks Aaron Rodgers is a diva, and I don't disagree. He definitely is a diva. But as a head coach, it's your job to corral the diva in the locker room. And the fact that he failed to do that kind of makes me think that he might have some trouble with some of the hotheads on the Dallas roster. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic for me. It's going to be something that's going to be kind of fun to watch. He's not the hire that scares me, though, if that's kind of what you're where you're getting at. He's not the one where... I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to be bad for the Eagles. Uh, Ron Rivera, either, you know, in that sense. I honestly, none of the hires that have taken place for all three teams, you know, strike fear into my heart as an opposing team. So, honestly, I'm kind of meh about it. The vaunted Patriots wide receiver coach being hired by the Giants didn't scare you after the Patriots wide receivers just lit the world on fire this year. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm not too scared of him. So uh, yeah. that's nothing that impressive to me this this year. No, no splash 
and I know Dallas was looking for an established head coach, which is probably why they chose Mike McCarthy. So we'll see how it pans out. I hope they had a nice night of cuddling together because they're gonna they're gonna be having to hide together when the Dallas fans turn on them if they keep sucking. <laughs> well, Mike chance. McCarthy's cuddly. Well, we kind of uh, mentioned the Patriots wide receiver coach getting hired by the Giants there, but let's kind of use this as a transition to talk about some of the games last week. I think for most of us, um, outside of the Eagles game, out of the rest of them, the the Titans upsetting the Patriots was maybe the best game of the weekend and, and the highlight of the weekend, mainly because, as was heavily talked about towards the end of the game and throughout the year, Brady's contract is actually up after the end of of that game. So he's officially going to be a free agent for the first time in his career. Doesn't have an extension signed. The Patriots obviously didn't make the Super Bowl for the first time in many years. And they look like they're more vulnerable than they've been maybe in our entire football fandom lifetime. So um, what did you guys think about the game? Are, was this a aberration or the, do you think the Patriots dynasty is kind of over here? Um, so, you yeah. know, watching the game, the more and more I watched that game, the more and more it made sense that the Titans were going to win. Even in like the second quarter, I was like, man, the Titans are probably going to pull this off. I just never felt like New England had momentum in that game. And it just, it was, impre- it was an impressive show. What's funny to me is that we were raving, a lot of people were raving about Ryan Tannehill's passing, his completion percentage, his accuracy, all of this stuff. But in the end, it came down to the Titans just running the ball down the Patriots' throats the entire game. And what's even funnier is when you think about it, it made sense. What do you do against the best secondary in the NFL? You you run it down their throats until <laughs> they're stumbling backwards. So it was an impressive show. But at the same time, after you know, while watching the game, it was kind of like, you know, this kind of makes sense. It made perfect sense because everybody except for New England fans wanted the Patriots to lose. And I'm not saying this also because I picked the Titans to win. No, not no brag there. I mean I picked them to win. <laughs> Which you did. I just wanna add I just wanna add that in there that I picked I just I picked them, you know, whatever. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean Tannehill only threw fifteen times and uh Mariota went one for one for four yards. What a what a stud. But uh, sleeper, obviously better yeah. than Brady, <laughs> and uh, and Wentz actually because Wentz went one for four. Didn't Shut he? your mouth for three yards. Marietta threw for four yards. Oh jeez, here we go. All right. We'll we'll talk about the Eagles more a little bit later. But um, but yeah, Derrick Henry has just been a monster all year. So he ran thirty four times. And he caught a ball, so only, you know, one extra touch there. But um, it was just crazy that it seemed like every single rushing attempt went for seven yards. And it was so much fun to watch because you can't hate Derrick Henry. Um, I mean, just seeing a rushing attack like that be so successful, especially against one of the best defenses in the league. um, It was just, I mean, I can't say it enough. It was just so much fun to watch. All I want next week is when the Titans go into Baltimore, you have Derrick Henry, huge runner, just, you know, part of the Titans team that just ran for 200 yards on the Patriots. And then you have 
The Ravens on the other side who set the NFL record for rushing yards in the season. Mark Ingram, obviously Lamar Jackson. I want a cold. It's going to be a Saturday night game, a cold, snowy game. Can you imagine, you know, giant Derrick Henry going through the line, the Lamar Jackson trying to make his cuts in the snow? Uh, that would just make me so happy. I should have throw that in there. But yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I totally agree with what y'all are saying. I mean, I, I really thought Tannehill was being a little bit oversold coming into this game because he had quote unquote the highest passer rating for the season. I mentioned last week that as part of the reason I picked the Patriots, if you actually look a little deeper, his quarterback rating was rather average. You know, the Titans were still not, you know, barely a top 10 offense with him in there. But the running game was enough to take care of it here and the defense. Um, it really was the, you know, last interception, of course, was a pick six. And then there was a missed pick six right before halftime. But the defense holding the Patriots to basically not be able to ever take the lead in the second half whenever they just had to get one score was pretty amazing. Which leads me back to the original point that I I do, like everyone else, I don't think it's an overreaction to say this is the end of the Patriots' dynasty, potentially. I will put a caveat that if they get Brady back and can get any talent wide receiver, I wouldn't give up on them. I'm not saying they can't make a playoff run next year. I mean, it could be similar to what happened with the Spurs, our beloved Spurs in the NBA, where you know they had a couple of rough years, but then when they got just a little bit of young talent in Kawhi and mixed things up, they're right back at it. There's certainly some potential for that because the defensive mind that Belichick is and some of the you know secondary people they have on that team are still going to leave them talented. The problem with them is they just traded a second-round pick first to new. They might be losing their first-round pick or more in the scandal they had with the Bengals videotape. And as I mentioned off the top, if they lose Brady, they really don't have a suitable replacement for him. So um, I'm not necessarily as big of a Patriot hater as the rest of America. I've always been a little more neutral on them, but it was nice to see him lose. Definitely wasn't rooting for him in the game. And kind of hopping into the Brady part of this, you know, we're thinking, hey, where could he land that would just be fun for the league? If he goes back to New England, it's kind of boring. I had one out of the NFC, and I don't know if you'd want to do this, but we all know that last year the Bears made a splash, had a great defense. Mitch Trubisky was okay. This year, quarterback really let him down. What if Tom Brady went to Chicago? It's a big city. It's in the Midwest. He went to college in Michigan, um, you know, kind of in the same part of the country. I would really like to see Brady go to the Bears. I know it's the same conference technically as our NFC East teams, but if I'm him and I'm trying to see, man, where's a spot that needs a quarterback that would absolutely take me that I have a chance at making the Super Bowl run with? If he really wants to stick it to Belichick, stick it to Kraft, they have some of the rumored disputes behind the scenes that make him want to leave. That's where I really see is like, hey, go to Chicago. That's a spot you can get it done. And if he actually does have anything left in the tank, that's a spot where he could show it, I think. So I think, I think if he goes back to New England, it's going to be on his terms. I think he's going to... He's gonna call the shots on if I'm if I'm signing with you, you've got to meet X, Y, and Z criteria. And I think if he does that, he's gonna make them go after receivers. He's gonna he's gonna need some offensive firepower because, as, as we saw this season, he did not look very good, and it's because they didn't have any outside any outside help at all. So he needs a receiver. He needs a tight end that's that's serviceable. Now, he that that's the type of offense that Brady runs well, and that's what he needs in order to succeed. And like so, Carson Wentz, he has to have a tight end. That's all that matters. Um, no, he needs he well, needs receivers on the outside. Tom Brady, Tom Brady needs receivers that can stretch the field. That's always been one of the things that he's been good at, and that's why 
he's always relied so much on on Edelman is that the receivers Edelman and Gronk, of course, they ran a couple of deep routes. They ran some crossing routes that they got extra yards in. But in terms of the offense that they ran, they had receivers that could uh, stretch the field, and that opened the mid-range stuff for them, and that's where they succeeded. And even when Amendola was there, that that's where they succeeded, was having people that could open up that offense so that the mid-range stuff, which is a lot like what Philadelphia runs, they need someone that can stretch the field at least on one side of the field so that the mid-range opens up, they get some of the 25-yard throws, you know, 15 to 25 yards, they get some easy chunk plays and then occasionally make the big 40 to 50 yard splash. That's, that's what the Patriots offense is built around. Just like Philly is what their offense is built around. And that's, I think that's what Tom Brady needs to succeed. And I think he's going to demand that if he signs back with the Patriots and he's going to want to get paid. I think this is going to be his last contract. I mean, let's be honest. This is going to be his last deal before he retires for sure. Even if it's a, whatever he signs this year, that's the end. If he signs a one-year deal, I'm pretty sure he's going to call it quits after the one-year deal. He's not going to move around two more times if he goes somewhere else. Wherever he signs right now, to me, he's going to finish it there. So he's going to hold all the cards. He's going to make he's going to make the call on, okay, if I'm going to sign with you, you've got to do this for me. And I think that's going to be important as to whether or not the Patriots keep him. Yeah, I think he's going to want a two-year deal. And I don't think the Patriots are going to want to sign just a flat two-year deal. They're going to maybe say one year with a team option. That way they can see how he plays this next year. Because, I mean, he didn't look that great this year. So they might, you know, turn turn uh, the other way if he has another bad year. And I honestly, I think he's going to stay with the Patriots deep down just because of how long he's been there and, and his career there. As fun as it would be to go to Chicago, I mean, they have – actually a pretty good offense and if he was there i mean just imagine because i mean you got alan robinson uh miller some other players i mean that would just be a lot of fun to watch it and except for the part where they are in the nfc's uh but i think he stays with the patriots and they find a way to get him and maybe a tight end like you said or another receiver and and give it another shot all right well We'll we'll kind of touch on some of the other games here from this last weekend as we look forward to what those teams won are going to be and who they're going to be matching up against in the divisional round. So just to kind of recap how we all did last week, because we're going to keep track of these points. And uh, oh yeah, Mike, week one was worth five thousand dollars. Forgot to tell you. Sorry about that. Oh uh, shit! Just hit up my Venmo. Um, so um, our straight up picks: Mike is in last, going one and three. <laughs> I myself went two and two, and Keith. I was is... wait. I, wait, I, there needs to be a, an asterisk next to this because I was screwed out of a victory. Philly would have won that game if Carson played. We'll get oh into my that. Gosh, um, why don't you just launch into that now? Actually, Mike, please hit us with your nonsense. I'm gonna set an alarm on my phone when I can start listening again. <laughs> uh, you have about ninety seconds. Go. Okay, first of all, it's not nonsense. I mean, we saw the way Carson was playing the last four weeks. I don't care who he was playing against. He was lighting it up. He was on fire. The first what, drive of the game is always scripted. Lighting it up because he had as many concussions as completions. I'm talking about before this game, you jerk. All right, that was a dirty hit. You all know it was a dirty hit. I watched the replay a thousand times just to make sure. Carson was falling to the ground. He was already being tackled. His hand was touching the ground when Clowney launched. 
and then hit him helmet to helmet on the back of the head. Terrible. The, a flag should have been thrown, even if Carson was still going out for the rest of the game. But that's something that definitely should have been caught and should have been flagged immediately and punished because he did something similar last season too to Nick Foles. So, uh, you know, it was a t- it was a cheap shot, dirty play for sure. I'm going to stand. I'm going to die on that hill. But I think looking at the way the defense played against Seattle, they got torched a couple times, but that always happens in every game. If Carson Wentz was playing, the way he had developed that trust with the receiving core that he had right now, and of course having Ertz and Goddard play, you know, at the level that they always play at, they would have come back and won that game. They probably would have been ahead. I am convinced we would have been playing Green Bay this coming weekend if Carson Wentz didn't take that cheap shot to the head. I'm furious. Sucked. But it happened next season. And your 90 seconds is up. Wow, I had to, yeah, I had to restart my timer there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so (laughs) I I disagree with what you were just saying. Um, Not, I mean, I don't think the clowny hit, first of all, was dirty. I think it was definitely an illegal hit, like they should have called it. I don't think he went in with an intent to hurt kind of thing is why I'm saying it's not dirty. Wentz wasn't on the ground yet. But obviously it's unfortunate. It kind of put a damper on the game, honestly, because I was really looking forward to coming on this podcast and gloating about how terrible Wentz played, how he can't play in the playoffs, making a couple more Nick Foles jokes than usual somehow. And I was robbed of that whenever I knew you'd you'd have this excuse um, that they could have won the game. But ultimately, this is where, you know, we can just disagree and we'll have to see how Wentz does moving forward. Um, But yeah, I, I do think the Seahawks were a better team. They proved it all year. We can talk a little bit more about the Seahawks and their matchup with the Packers here in a second. But I don't think you can just say, I mean, even with home field, I, I think the Seahawks were going to win that game. That, the entire mood of the game changed when that when he was taken off the field. Just the entire game, the dynamic, it felt different even watching it. Yeah, I think if he stayed on the field, if he would have played the entire game, it would have felt completely different. That's, that's just me. Uh, but I, he, he definitely brought a different fire to the, to the field and, as soon as he went down, even the stadium changed. So I'm going to say that. It, it, it <laughs> the weather it itself. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Poseidon descended upon the stadium. It was, it was rough. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, just to, for, to be complete here, I just said the straight up records before we went into that rant. So, Again, Keith's in first, three and one. I'm two and two. Mike's one and three. And against the spread, which we're also going to be picking, maybe more importantly, follow our picks here. Mike went one, two and one. We all tied the Texans Bills game because we had a three point line on that. We all had the Texans anyway, but that's a tie. So Mike went one, two and one. Keith and I both went two, one and one last week. So we're launching into this week and we'll, we'll see how we do. Let's start at the top with the first game of the weekend is Vikings at 49ers. Uh, the 49ers are seven-point favorites on the dot at home against the Vikings. A little bit less than the Saints were last week, even though the 49ers are the one seed. So obviously, the Vikings earned some respect in Vegas and the mind of the betters with that great performance last week. Keith, why don't you kick us off first again here, since you had the best picks last week. How do you see this um, 49ers and Vikings game shaking out? And what did you like or... You know, think isn't going to hold up from what the Vikings did last week in that impressive win in New Orleans. Well, the Vikings definitely earned my respect because I had I did not think that they were going to 
even get close to winning this game. I mean, I said that they're going to keep it close at the beginning and then New Orleans break off. It was kind of the opposite. Um, the 49ers, though, just have a way better defense than the Saints, too. I think that's going to surprise – well, not surprise, but I think that's just going to be too much for Kirk Cousins, and they're going to be able to stop Cook. And, I mean, seven points, It's. I just feel like that's going to that's gonna break even. But I am going to pick the 49ers to cover. Um, I'm going to say that the score is going to be 34 – 24. All right. Mike, what do you think? So, number one, Kirk Cousins won't have my respect until he gets to the Super Bowl. I am not sold on that victory. I think it was a total fluke. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. So, what about Carson Wentz? Uh, I was just about to say. Carson Wentz that he... Everyone boils down the argument against no, him. No, because can't Kirk, win the playoffs. Because That's... Kirk Cousins has always sucked. That is way different. Kirk Cousins has always been bad. It's not like it's new that like oh he's just bad every once in a while. No, but not exclusively in the playoffs. Terrible. Kirk Cousins is equally bad all the time. That's what I'm saying. He's been equally bad across the board. I don't trust it. I'm I'm not buying this whole oh he's gonna catch fire in the playoffs nonsense because. They're going to lose this week to the 49ers for sure. Write it down. And the 49ers are going to cover the spread. It's going to be a slaughter. It's going to okay. be 35 to 17. I cannot believe you two keep putting me in the position to defend Kirk Cousins, something I thoroughly hate <laughs> doing. I do not like that, in fact. He's, he sucks. It was, that was a fluke game for sure. The Saints are more cursed than the Vikings are good. It's just, it is not that the Vikings were good. That's the well, first I, time I'm going to agree with Mike today. Uh, here's, here's why I disagree. Okay, and as the only person who actually picked the Vikings plus eight and a half last week, or whatever the spread, plus seven and a half maybe, um, I feel like I need to take up from here, and, and I am going to pick the Vikings to cover this spread. Seven points, I think it was six and a half would be a little tougher for me, but knowing that I have that full touchdown to rely on, and I think the Vikings can keep it close for the same reasons they just did last week. They have a running game with Cook back to rely on. Remember, this is a Vikings team that had the 10th best offense in the regular season in DVOA, despite Kirk Cousins being their quarterback. He's been their quarterback all year, but it matters less than a normal team because they have an amazing running back, and that even their backups are pretty shifty. They have two great receivers. Uh, again, with both healthy, Thielen and Diggs can can do things. And then Rudolph, as we just saw, is that tight end in the red zone as a threat with that game-winning touchdown. This is a team where if the Vikings had an elite, elite quarterback these last few years, they might have already won a Super Bowl by now. But if Kirk Cousins can even just play close to what he did last week, I think it'll keep him in this game. They're, they're a good team. Again, they have the seventh-best defense in the regular season and the tenth-best offense. That's nothing to shake their head at. The sixth-best DVA overall. I said last week I thought the Vikings and the Saints were the two best teams playing the whole weekend. So whichever one won in that game was obviously going to be pretty good. So I have to take the Vikings to, uh, plus seven here. However, I am going to agree with you all. I think the 49ers are the pick straight up. Over, and it really comes down to it. They just have the best events left in the playoffs, period. And I will trust their coach, Kyle Shanahan, wait, who's wait, my coach of the year. Wait, the best defense in the, left in the playoffs? 49ers, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought you were talking about the Vikings. I was about to curb stomp you. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I would deserve that. Uh, I do think Zimmer is a great defensive coach, and the Vikings are a very good defense. But yeah, clearly the 49ers are a better defense. They're going to be at home. Bosa is going to be on the pass rush. 
And with Kyle Shanahan manning the offense, Garoppolo can do a good enough job. They have that three-headed running back attack. I just don't think I can pick against the 49ers. They're going to pick to get to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to change that here. 49ers win the game. Vikings cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Whoa, we're adding sound effects to the podcast. I, I just, I want to be like, like, uh, What's his name from Parks and Rec? The douche? The, the, the radio host? Oh my <laughs> god. Be like that guy? I don't I don't have like <laughs> Jesus. Alright, well, let's jump into the second game here, unless uh, Mike has any more sharks to throw in while I'm talking. It's going to be the Titans at the Ravens. I briefly mentioned this game earlier in the sense that it's going to be in Baltimore Saturday night. This is the first time um, that we're going to see MVP Lamar Jackson play, even though he was in the playoffs last year. He obviously wasn't this version of himself. And this is the first time the Tannehill-led Titans are going to uh, be advancing in the playoffs. Is it, you know, The Titans are a team that's been doing okay the last couple of years. They actually did win a playoff game under Mariota and get to this round. But clearly, I think this is the best Titan teams that we've seen in recent years. So I'll throw it to you the, to start, Mike, this time. What do you see happening in this game? Just so that I say the spread as well. It is technically Ravens minus 10 at home against the Titans. So, Mike, do you think the Ravens will win, and do you think they'll cover? So the first thing I want to say is, although it wasn't showcased last week, the Titans have a pretty good receiving core. It's just they're primarily focused on running the ball. Yep. I don't know, depending on the weather, how much that's going to benefit them this week against the Ravens and the Ravens are for all intents and purposes as of right now, the juggernaut of the AS. Uh, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I think they have a slight up on the Kansas city chiefs. And as much as I would want to see the Titans upset this game and I am rooting for the Titans. I would want to see them win this game just because I like Tannehill came from Texas, uh, Texas A&M, but he's, you know, he came from Texas and I want to root for him. I really want them to win, but I don't think they can. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a slug fest, uh, you know, ground and pound type of game where they're just going to be stuffing each other in the face with, with running backs. But it's it might be a little closer. I think the Titans are are going to cover the spread, but they're going to lose. I'm going to say Ravens thirty, Titans twenty three. Ooh. Well, um, I'm going to say somewhere along the same lines. I I think um, I think the Titans do cover the ten points. I think they have a good enough rushing attack to keep control of the clock as much as they can though one thing that does worry me is just the load management the the worm the word of the year or the term of the year but um running derrick henry that much two weeks in a row if that's the same kind of game plan i doubt it's going to be the same but i think that's going to come into a factor it a little bit but i still believe in Tannehill's arm i think that they just had a specific game plan versus the patriots and the rushing attack was so successful that they didn't want to back off of it. So I do think that he's going to be successful, and that's Tannehill I'm talking about. I feel the Titans can actually scare the Ravens in this game, but 
The Ravens are just way too good offensively. I think the Titans' defense has been shaky this year. They were great last week, but they've also allowed a lot of points in a lot of games. So I'm going to say the Ravens 31, Titans 24. Man, uh, I'm going to have to agree with you. I was kind of hoping you guys would go with the Ravens here, but I have the same thing. I think the Ravens are going to win and the Titans are going to cover. I was expecting to pick the Ravens to win and cover. I just think that people are still kind of underrating how much of a juggernaut they were with the most rushing yards ever, the biggest point differential in the history of the NFL. And over the years, gambling has shown trends that point differential is even more important than your straight record. So their point differential being better than the 16 and no Patriots should really speak volumes. The problem I'm having is the stylistic matchup here that the Titans are good at running the football. They just played a solid defense and they're likely to have cold weather. I just think that it's going to be the kind of game where the Ravens love to run and the Titans love to run. The clock's going to be chewing. So the points are going to be naturally lower. So look out for the under as well. Bonus pick. And I don't think it's going to allow the Ravens to open up the game in a sense of where if they can get that two-touchdown lead early and force Tannehill to throw, yeah, they can end up winning this game by 30. I just don't think that's going to happen. Also, Lamar Jackson's passing stats were steadily going down at towards the end of the year. The touchdowns were staying steady, but the yards were going down. The Ravens don't need to pass to win, and that's why that was happening. But I do think that this game is going to stay somewhat close. Again, if I had to pick an exact score, I mean, I'd be looking at something like 27-17 which I know is exactly 10 points. So I'm going to go because I have, I do think I'd rather have Titans plus 10, even though I think it's a good line. So I'm going to pick the Ravens to win 24-17. And I'll just throw that straight into the next game. Because I'll go first here since instead of throwing it to one of you two. I have to disagree with what you said to start, Mike, and that you want the Titans to win. I really hope that both the Ravens and Chiefs win this week. I know it's fun to root for underdogs. But that's the matchup I want. Of any matchup with the entire playoffs, I want Lamar. I want Mahomes. I want them in the AFC title game. I think it might be the two best teams in the league. Definitely the two best teams in the AFC. So that's what I'm rooting for. Um, but going into the Chiefs game, I also have the Chiefs winning that one, just like I'm rooting for here. Um, I think that they're too good. They have the Texans, who have lots of holes. Fuller's injured, coming into Arrowhead. And... I actually think the Chiefs are going to win and cover. I don't think Watson's going to be able to, you know, make enough plays to do what they did earlier in the year when the Texans won an arrowhead. I think it's hard to beat a team in the same stadium twice in the year. So I'll let you guys say what you want on this game. But I think this is one where the Chiefs are going to open it up. That Texans defense is going to show how weak they are when they're playing a good quarterback. That's not Josh Allen. That's why the Texans were average all year on defense, the 17th. Best DVOA. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win and win handily 34-17. Ooh. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I want to hear your take on this. So, as disappointing as it sounds, I actually agree with Brock. I think the Chiefs are going to smash the Texans this week. I don't think they they scraped by the by the skin of their teeth against the Bills, which that in itself was a joke. The Bills are not cracked up to, or all they're cracked up to be, excuse me, the, throughout the entire season, and I, I didn't have any any real respect for them in the playoffs. Uh, I thought they'd give the Texans a fight because I don't think the Texans are that good either. And what's weird to me is that Bill O'Brien likes to run the type of offense that kind of requires a good running back, and they never, ever seem to get one. 
I don't know why they don't ever go after anybody in the free agency or draft one. That's going to be a solid starting running back that can complement that can complement the offense. And so, looking at what they're going to do, I'm going to say that the the Chiefs are probably going to beat them by ten points for sure. I'm pretty confident in this. It's not going to be a shootout. I'm, I know people are hoping that this is going to be a shootout, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, I think it's going to be a much bigger loss than people think, but I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere along the lines of 35 to 20. Uh, that would be my take on it. I think the Chiefs are going to blow them out the water. Well, as much as that makes sense, let me tell you why you both are wrong. <laughs> I I do have the Chiefs winning this game. I'm just going to put that out there, but I think the Texans are going to cover, and here's why. The Texans had to play the Bills defense, which is one of the best in the league. They are very tough. They have a great secondary, good rushing attack, and they really held back uh, Texans' rushing attack that game, which forced them to try to throw, which was actually really tough in the first half. But I think whenever a team plays a defense that tough, and then moves on to a defense that's not very good with the Chiefs. They're actually right in the middle of of the league at, in DVOA rankings. They're 14. I think that with Fuller expecting to come back this week, that just completely changes this offense. And they're going to be able to have a better rushing attack, opening up the passing game. And I actually see them keeping this close the whole way, at least with that 10 points, I think the Chiefs are still going to have their way and score a lot of points. I feel like this one's going to be a shootout. I'm going to pick the Chiefs 41, Texans 34. All right, I'm changing my pick. Keith actually convinced me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're leaving leaving Mike on an island again. No, I... Honestly, what you said about what, you know Fuller coming back and just thinking about this again, I, I don't think I do trust the Chiefs' defense to hold down the Texans as much as the Bills did. And I, so I do think the Chiefs are going to put it in the 30s, but the Texans are going to score more than what I was initially saying. So I'm changing my pick on the spread side to Texans plus 10, even though I'm still picking the Chiefs to win the game. And I have no shame in changing. Coward. Shame. <laughs> I'm going for the. I can't. I can't afford another five thousand dollar loss. Uh, still expecting that my Venmo mic any day now. All right. Um. <laughs> so the the last game of the weekend. Then we can move on to is got the closest spread. So it's supposed to be the best game. That is the Seahawks at the Packers. Um, the Packers are obviously at home in Lambeau, and they are four point favorites against the Russell Wilson Seahawks that we just saw. Absolutely demolish the Philadelphia practice squads last week. Um, Mike, as someone who just watched the cleanest team in football beat the Eagles, what do you think is going to happen when they go into Lambo this week? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's probably the most elegant the you've ever sounded. Uh, I'm going to say that the Packers are going to win this game. Um, definitely. I'm pretty confident on that. The Seahawks are just as banged up or almost as banged up as Philly was. They just had a much better passing attack than Philly did. Uh, and they it was still a close game. It wasn't like they destroyed them or anything. The Packers have a subpar defense. Their offense hasn't seemed to be clicking, but 
I expect Aaron Rodgers to come out and play lights out in the playoffs. I I think they really need to get in their Super Bowl before it's time for Aaron Rodgers to retire. I don't think they'll get one this year. We'll see how they play against Seattle. But I think it'll be a little bit of a closer game. I'm going to say it's going to be along the lines of the Packers 27, Seahawks 24. It's going to be a closer game, but the Seahawks aren't going to have enough offensive firepower to win this game. And mostly because they're playing in Lambeau, I'm giving the Packers the edge. So the Seahawks will cover, but I think the Packers will win. Okay. Keith, what do you think? Interesting. So I'm kind of back and forth on this one. This one, I just don't have any confidence. But I'm going to actually pick the Seahawks to pull off the upset in this one. Okay. Yeah, I think the Packers just snuck into this bye week. I think they're one of the worst teams, except for the Eagles that were in the playoffs this year. And, I mean, they've actually shown it. I mean, they almost lost to the Lions on the last week that um, that got them to get the bye week. But I feel like Russell Wilson is going to pull off some magic. Um, the Seattle defense will be able to do something. They actually said that Clowney will most likely just get fined if anything, so he won't get suspended. So if that stands, you know, they're I know one player doesn't make a defense, but you know, it definitely does make a little difference. I feel like the Packers are just gonna have some offensive trouble. It's gonna be a low scoring game. I'm gonna say Seahawks twenty, Packers seventeen. I think the Seahawks win it by a, a late field goal. Wow. I, I do think it's interesting that these are the two teams that played the NFC Championship game um, quite a few years back when the Seahawks had that unbelievable comeback that ended up propelling them to go to the Super Bowl when the Packers had the game won, just had the melt clock, and had mistake after mistake and onside kick. So there's definitely going to be a little bit of history between these two, especially between Rodgers and Wilson. And I just think that the Seahawks have a way of making every game kind of become their style, making it become ugly and scrambly and Wilson putting his imprints on the game. And yet, I just don't think the Seahawks have enough firepower. I'm going to pick the Packers to win and cover the four points. Though I do think, again, this is a good line. It's tough to make the the call. And the reason is that I don't think the Seahawks are very good. I think that the Eagles were clearly, clearly the worst team in the playoffs, especially when you take Carson Wentz out of the equation. In all seriousness, I mean, that team with Josh McCown, on their roster, if you just had them play a full season, it would probably go like 3-13. and 13. And the Seahawks <laughs> still won pretty ugly. And the team, I mean, they, you know, they're down the running backs. I know they have Marshawn Lynch. They have the scrap, scrappy boy making some plays. But the Packers are actually pretty good at stopping the run. So I don't think that the Seahawks are going to be able to run the ball. And the Packers' defense, yes, their secondary hasn't been great this year. But when you know what the Seahawks are going to do, the Seahawks only put up 17 points last week. I just don't think in Lambeau, Russell Wilson's going to have one of those weeks where he can absolutely go and score at will. Meanwhile, the Seahawks' defense this year has been average themselves. They were literally the 16th best defense in the regular season in DVOA. I know Aaron Rodgers hasn't been normal Aaron Rodgers this year. I didn't have him in my best playoff quarterbacks. But ultimately, I'm going to trust him at home with a fairly healthy team. That, By the way, yes, they're kind of not playing that well going into the playoffs, but they haven't lost in seven weeks. They had some close wins, including some bad ones like against the Lions, but they also beat the Vikings in that time to solidify the division, and they haven't lost a football game in almost two months. So I don't think the Packers are 
the best team. I think that if it was the Vikings going in there for rematch, I might even pick the Vikings on the upset. I have that much respect for them. But I do think the Packers are going to get the job done when it comes down to it because the Seahawks are not who we thought they were. They are too banged up. It's really a one-man show at this point. I don't think it's enough to beat the Packers in Lambeau. So picking the Packers, I'm picking a minus four. I do think it'll be a fairly low-scoring game, even though neither defense is that great. So I'm going Packers 27, Seahawks 20. Wow. Well, I guess we'll see how wrong all three of us are this week (laughs) when when we find Uh... out what happens. I don't know. Again, you know, both Keith and I are in the money against the spread. You're the only one negative right now, Mike. So listen, we're going to make the listeners some more cash. Um, you know, Maddie B and Lucas on their on their apps can just take these to the bank. I was dealt. I, I was dealt a bad hand. Not fair. You mean by well, God with your brain? Ouch. <laughs> I mean, just picking the Eagles. You kind of like already set yourself back on that one pick right there. Listen, buddy. It was the right pick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With that, I think we're going to get out of here. Let's all have anything else to add. No, I think we're good. Keith, you good? I just want to make one quick comment. Whenever the um, Texans were playing the Bills in the first half, I was like, man, uh, Brock's second best playoff quarterback is not panning out but then he just came up big Mm. in the second half especially at the end there I mean that breakaway sack um, for the uh, pass off and then the extra run that was one of the most exciting plays of the whole weekend that was just amazing it it was unbelievable I think he actually had a fourth but nevertheless it did show that's right yeah Russell Wilson second yeah but it shows why Watson is on that list he he's you know, he has good receivers when healthy, but the rest of that team doesn't have much, and he's really been the Superman out there for the team. So definitely Josh Allen is one of the top five young quarterbacks on the list. Um, took a big thumbs down from me. I'm glad I didn't have him on my list. That would be really embarrassing. <coughs> Keith. But, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Watson. Loser. Yeah, um, terrible. But, yeah, if, if Watson – like we've talked about before, I mean, I think that he's the kind of quarterback that could take the Texans to the Super Bowl someday. They might need a better coach. They might need a better GM to put consistent talent around him instead of just a, a few key players and a, and a bunch of losers. But he's great. And if, I, if I'm if i wrong about the Chiefs and Ravens matchup next week, I think Deshaun Watson might be a big reason why. All right. Well, looking forward to this week. Looking forward to talking about it next week. But thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at House Divided NFL, at Brock Goat Ocho, excuse me, Brock Ocho Goat, at Frankel Takes, at that Gomez guy. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. Peace. Bye.